Hello and welcome to the Industry Interviews podcast, the podcast where the King's College London Employer Engagement Team interviews a professional from a certain sector to provide an insight into their role and routes into employment. My name is Ross Clayton Mullins and I am an Employer Relations and Development Advisor at King's College London. I'm joined today by Georgia and Sally Hardcastle, who are co-directors of Matipo Arts and also Sisters. Matipo Arts is a theatre production company that also provides workshops for children, young people and adults, and they strive to create work that subverts the norms of theatre while keeping it accessible and entertaining. Thank you for joining us both. Before we move on to chatting to Georgia and Sally, I'm going to give you some labour market information for the theatre sector. According to Prospects, some of the skills that are most important for the theatre sector are confidence, networking skills, resilience, self-discipline, stamina, flexibility, teamwork, organisation and time management. There are a vast range of jobs available in the theatre sector. Some of these include actor, director, producer, playwright, stage manager, set designer, lighting and sound technician, stage crew member, marketing officer or drama therapist. Some of the most common routes into the sector are via an arts degree. Please note, however, that this is not always necessary. The most important part is having skills relating to the role that you wish to work in. The most common start for people working in the theatre sector is by completing an internship or some voluntary work with a theatre or production. These can be small independent theatres or productions or one of the more well-known ones. Attending theatre performances is a good place to start, but also utilising social media to keep up with and comment on developments in the sector is also important. You can also utilise the website Get Into Theatre to help you find a role within the sector. So, Georgia and Sally, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I know that both of you have had an interesting journey into the sector. Um, I think it'd be really good if you could share a bit about what the organisation that you run does um, and also a bit about the roots into your current roles. Lovely. Thank you for having us on. George, do you want to go first or shall I? Yeah, sure. Yeah, thank you for having us, Ross, um, for that lovely introduction. So Matapo Arts um, kind of is a multi-arts company. Me and Sally are both from a theatre background um, and we do uh, theatre productions as part of our work. Um, but we also kind of work in community arts uh, and particularly this year have been focusing on that arm of uh, the company. So we've been doing a lot of multi-arts workshops and kind of installations and, and public artwork in that way, as well as traditional theatre. Um, we've been uh, we've been partnering with some different organisations, haven't we, this last, yeah. particularly since the summer, really, we've been partnering with some local organisations to us. So we're based in Harlow in Essex, um, although we do also work a bit further afield as well but we've done some stuff with Harlow Museum this summer we've worked with the Essex Youth Service uh, and then we've also done some solo stuff at the studios where we're based uh, where our business address is so that's been lovely we've done kind of a bit of a range of of that kind of thing but in previous years we developed um I think we've done about three different main productions yeah um, mainly based in London where the last one based very much on Zoom <laughs> for Covid reasons yeah, absolutely. So that's the nature of the pandemic, unfortunately, mm. and having to uh, yeah, a, a change the way that the world is and the way that you work to sort of cater for that. So in terms of your roots into the sector, um, you, you've obviously got a bit of a background within the industry you work in. But where did the sort of idea come from to start up your own business? And also, as far as I'm aware, you started it up in this sort of COVID era has been quite a significant chunk of you guys running that business which is obviously 
offers different challenges. So where, where did that idea and why did you do it and what had you done previously to that? Well, so we, as you may imagine, we're sisters. Um, and so we've we've worked together for a very long time. Um, <laughs> we were home educated. And so we, we basically sat across the kitchen table from each other since early childhood. Um, and we've spent a lot of time doing creative things together. And I think in our late teens, actually, on a on a family holiday to visit our granddad in New Zealand, I remember us fantasizing about having our own arts centre and our own arts company. And we, you know, made up a name and a logo and or various different things, which are not matter arts at all. But I think that was our first idea of, oh my goodness, wouldn't that be amazing? It's a time when we were both starting to look really um, closely at working in theatre and, and in various creative roles. And then we first put together a theatre production Ooh, in 2017. Our first production um, was called Fleeced and I wrote it uh, in 2016. Um, and then uh, it was put on by the Redbridge uh, Drama Centre, of which I was I, I had links with at the time. Um, and they put it on with their youth theatre in 2017. And then we put on our kind of own version with a professional cast in 2018. So that first project had quite a, a long shelf life um, across those three years. But that was our first use of the name Matipo. And then it's this year that we registered it as a company. So it was mid pandemic that we a had the time uh, and, and b the sort of, I guess, brain space to really sit down and kind of be specific about what we wanted to do with Matipo going forwards and also have the time to um, do all the sort of business stuff of registering mm -hmm. the company, writing all the policies, you know, all the stuff that maybe you wouldn't think of as theatre. <laughs> yeah, COVID really gave us a little bit of a, a moment to pause and reflect, didn't it? And to just yeah. sit and do super boring business plans and policy documents <laughs> and all that kind of nonsense for ages, which actually I'm not sure if we ever would have got round to if it wasn't for having a bit Absolutely. of a lockdown and twiddle our thumbs. Sorry, yeah, no, I I, I guess with um, when you you know you would sort of sat in, in on that trip to New Zealand and thinking about opening up your own art space together and whatnot you're probably not thinking at that time about the bureaucracy that's involved in setting up a business definitely not <laughs> we did not uh, once consider insurance <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and yeah hoping for a pandemic to give you a bit of time to do all that bureaucracy for example so um yeah no it's, it's really good to hear um and where does the name Matipo I, I hope I'm, I think I might have pronounced it wrong in my introduction Matipo where does that name come from oh yeah close enough um George yeah so um it's fine everyone pronounces it wrong because uh, it isn't an English word and I think anyone in England might be a bit confused as to where it would come from. Uh, Matapo is a plant um, uh, that's native to New Zealand, but it's also um, the name of the road that we were both born on. Because we are native to New Zealand also. Yes, so that's, uh, born in that's where we're from. Oh, nice one. Yeah, fantastic. A bit of knowledge. You learn something new every day. I must admit, I'd never heard of the Matapo plant, but now I have. And it's that's a lovely little touch, I think, considering that you were born on that road as well. So, I mean, I'm conscious that obviously the students at King's who are going to be listening to this podcast, uh, probably if they're listening to this, they're obviously interested in progressing into the theatre sector as a whole. So what do you two sort of wish that you'd known about the the sector 
when you were younger and possibly considering moving and working in it is there anything you wish you'd sort of known essentially at that time uh yeah so I think a million things but I was really lucky at university actually we had a whole professional practice module in my degree I did a really practical degree um, and we had to learn how to do our taxes and build a website and all that kind of stuff which was like quite boring at the time but really really useful and I kind of wish we'd done more of that it was great but it was quite small um I, I wish we'd done more of that kind of thing I also actually wish that I'd had a greater understanding of the lifestyle of the designers who were succeeding professional designers 20 years into their career and I think that after a few years of assisting professional designers 20 years into their career um I came to the realization that actually that job role that I'd been kind of striving for through university and when I first graduated wasn't right for me looking forward because I, I don't really want to spend 17 hours away from my family every day for example and that works for some people but it doesn't work for me so understanding a bit more about the realities of the industry not just the amazing work that gets done but the, the realities of, of people's day-to-day -day lives um I think would have been would have been really helpful to know uh, yeah, and I think for, for me, so Sally uh, comes from a design background. She did a performing, a, a theatre design degree. For me, I come from a writing and directing background, but I did a film degree. Um, and I think in that degree, there was a lot of focus put on making films and like producing stories, which was amazing. But we didn't do any of that kind of um, tax stuff running yourself as a sort of a one one person business or being a freelancer so I think that stuff is really useful and and feels boring until you need it so that's important to know about but also like Sally says about job roles I think kind of understanding the specificity of different jobs and working in different areas and kind of I think it's easy in the creative industries to strive for the most visible roles you know, it's really easy to know that you want to be a director, an actor, maybe a even a playwright, uh, a producer. But actually, there are so many other roles that don't get the amount of sort of fame in a way um, that have a lot of the same skill sets and a lot of the same kind of content to them. So I guess I wish I'd known more about the breadth of roles available in the industry. Um, and I think that comes from experience, doesn't it? Because, yeah, so I think... Georgia you did a couple of and um, they weren't formal placements but you sort of shadowed or assisted or crewed on a couple of films while you were at uni and I had a six-week placement module um, in my degree and then I also did some elective placements for my dissertation and they were so so useful and I understood whole new areas of theatre and public art that I hadn't he even heard of at university or before university and I feel like every new job I do I meet someone who does a job that I've never heard of yeah and so the more I think um, a piece of advice would be the more placements you can do and the more practical work experience you can get, even if you're making tea or following someone around, just being able to observe what people's job roles are and what they really entail is really, really handy. And it's exciting as well. Yeah, and I guess <clears throat> with that uh, element that you said, so even if you are making tea or following people around, there's an element of gaining contacts, getting to know people within the industry Absolutely. through even doing that, which which would make a big, big difference. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's a really, really interesting and, and useful um, point, really. Um, and also the element that you, you, you know, you, you might go in having an idea, knowing what you want to do 
but in reality that can change over time while you're studying or even afterwards and that's absolutely fine as, as well if you change your mind midway through you know you want to you went in thinking you wanted to be an actor but you leave what thinking you want to be a producer that is that is okay I guess absolutely yeah and I would say as well a lot of the producers I've known and some directors and other people as well but particularly producers that I've known their degree is not in theatre their degree is in history or English or another arts degree that isn't a practical art degree um, mm. or a theatre degree but it is or perhaps maybe theatre studies but like completely theoretical or something really academic degrees and then actually they've moved into theatre afterwards or as part of the theatre society or something like that and they might actually have gone in thinking I want to be an author or I want to be academic or I don't know what I want to do I enjoy history and then gradually they've done his, uh, theatre as a bit of a hobby, for example, or they've just fallen into it as a little bit of a job and then it becomes what they absolutely love. So I think as much as we aspire to do things, you can't really plan, can you? No, absolutely. Exactly. I mean, it's interesting as well, you say about that admin side that you did on your course, Sally, but you not mm-hmm. so much, Georgia, as well. One thing that's staggered me, I mean, even in the world of work that I'm in and also everybody that I've interviewed on behalf of of kings for this podcast is everybody always has the consistent and common thing where they wish they knew excel better before yeah. they went to <laughs> God, yeah <laughs> absolutely we can never get away from the spreadsheets unfortunately <laughs> so that's one thing that keeps coming up and again it's something that I can sympathize with despite my line of work being very very different so um so just moving on then um in terms of that kind of thing and you've both given a really good insight into the sort of journey and, and what you wish you'd known when you were sort of starting out in the sector um but what would you both say you think are the biggest barriers to people who are wanting to progress into the sort of theatre space as it were? I would say um, location um, is a massive one you know luckily you know kind of post pandemic it looks like this is changing slightly or at least uh, the industry is becoming more aware of it but obviously there are cultural hubs um, and for the theatre industry particularly in the UK London, Edinburgh, Brighton at certain points of the year um, are really the the big hubs and obviously a few others as well um particularly up north but so if you don't come from those places or you don't have an easy way of relocating there it can be really tough to get there uh, or to make work where you are which i think is obviously as valuable and um and often what people would like to do if they had the opportunity but but maybe don't yeah so i think that's like i say hopefully i i think that is changing you know kind of as the industry has had a bit of time where everyone has been accessing theatre online or you know people have started to realise the reach of who's choosing to watch theatre when they have that opportunity online um, versus who could attend in person Uh, but obviously that takes a long time to actually do anything about yeah what about you Sal? Mm, Well I'd second that and I, I also had a really fun day uh, some months ago reading the new Arts Council Let's Create 10-Year Strategy, mm. which is a long document, um, <laughs> but uh, very interesting. And a big part of their strategy is about um, taking culture into every town and village and city and everywhere across across England. So um, that kind of decentralisation of creative work is is in the planning stages, at least, it is happening. I don't know, it's a funding focus for them as well, if people are looking for, for funding for their project. I think another 
big, big barrier in all kinds of creative work, and this isn't just theatre, um, is the expectation around unpaid work and unpaid experience. And I think, Ross, we touched on this in the panel the other week, um, and everyone pretty much had the same view of, oh, dreadful, isn't it? But it's kind of necessary, but it's dreadful. And that it is so common for, for students, but then also for graduates, to be expected to work for free or for very, very low wages, or not really wages, but a bit of expenses or a bit of like paid internship, not really paid, here's a tenner for, I don't know, for lunch money, essentially, um, in order to gain experience and gain contact and, and that kind of stuff. But the reality is there's only a certain group of people who can afford to live on nothing for three months or six months or what have you, who can afford to live on nothing and pay 50 quid a week to travel into town, for example, or who can afford to move to the right city for that opportunity. Um, and so that does kind of price out a lot of people um, who have more kind of average financial situations, I would say. I think George and I have been extremely lucky that our parents till recently were based in London. Um, and so we've been able to, before university for George and, and for me during and just after university even, live at home with our parents in London and make work for almost no money. And that was fine um, because we weren't paying London rent and that wasn't an issue. But we're very privileged in that situation and a lot of people don't have that option. So it's interesting what you say about the accessibility and I know what you guys do in your organisation is very much focused around making the sort of theatre accessible to all but I think it's a theme that um, is throughout the arts isn't it is about this unpaid work um, and it does unfortunately exclude um, a certain demographic really and, um, and there's still quite a long way to go on that. I'm also conscious I mean in terms of the sort of diversity side of things as well in terms of you know the three of us are, are white and whatnot and the theatre side of things especially I, I I might it might be a complete misconception that I have but I don't see it as a necessarily massively diverse sector as of yet so I don't know if you could just provide a little bit of an insight onto that. Yeah no I think it's something the theatre industry is actively working on but we are absolutely not there yet I mean I think my year at Rose Bruford, the university I went to, we had 104 people in the design management and technical side to so the non-acting side of the university in my year. 104 people. It's a bit smaller than King's at Rose Bruford. Um, and of those people, I would say 99 to 100 of us are white. And of those, probably 80 were white British. And then we had some international students. But yeah, not very diverse at all. And as I say, it's, it's something that the theatre industry is working on, but it's something that we all have to be really aware of and make um, make a massive effort around because the diversity just isn't there at the moment. And particularly the diversity is not there in terms of people in senior positions and role models and employers. I've I've worked for several designers and they have not been a diverse bunch. I don't yeah. people who are 15 years into their career, 30 years into their career, for example. And I think the other side of it as well is um, absolutely those senior positions are so important in terms of making change in a more organic sense ongoing, because once you have people in those um, leadership roles, it's a lot easier to make sort of more widespread change um, from that. But then the, uh, the other thing is that people do have the preconception that it's a very, you know, non-diverse industry. Um, and 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 currently that's a fair one and so i think it's about like informing and and highlighting the changes that are being made as they're being made 
as well as making the changes themselves, if that makes sense. Because particularly, I think that that can be a, a problem with audiences as well. And so, you know, if I think the um, the people working in the industry and the audience that reflects it kind of go hand in hand as well. Yeah, and I think there's that's what you guys do so good or so well, I should say, in your uh, organisation is it is bringing it to the masses and young kids, especially in sort of schools, because to, in order to be inspired to work in the theatre sector, you have to have experienced the theatre sector. And then therefore, if you're from a demographic where it's hard to actually afford to be able to go to a show, then you're not going to be inspired by the theatre sector. Do you see what I mean? It's like... Mm, absolutely. It's a circle. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's so much, I think, about feeling an ownership over the space, you know? So mm. if I've been lucky enough to be a part of a few different arts organisations that really foster that feeling in, in the people that come to classes there, as well as attending performances, where the feeling of the theatre building being an inviting place and, and feeling like when you're you know, if you go to a class there, be it, a, you know, a drama class, a dance class, uh, anything like that, as well as going to see a, a ticketed show, that you feel part of the family or you feel welcome in that building. And um, particularly, I think, creating that sense from an early age is really important. Um, because like you say, a lot of people don't discover that they, that theatre is an option for them or that they're interested in it until you know university level for example because they haven't necessarily had access to it before that a lot of what we've been doing this summer is about you know hasn't actually been in theatre buildings themselves but it has been bringing um, that art form um, and connected art forms to young people in an accessible form so in free workshops or free to them workshops um, and, and locally as well and locally yeah and in informal settings where they can have a go and there isn't kind of a sort of a bar set of you have to already be at a good level or like you have to already be good at this thing or know anything about it um so just show up and make a puppet and they exactly, go, go yeah. away again that's fine exactly yeah it's a lovely way to sort of describe what what you guys do I think and um, so we've got time for just um one more sort of question really and, and I'm conscious that we'll keep it as brief as we can but so if you and I know Sally you sort of mentioned earlier if I had one piece of advice but if you could offer just a small nugget of advice to anybody who's listening who would be wanting to progress progress into the theatre sector what would you suggest that piece of advice would be a piece of advice I would give would be to know your own worth and I mean that in terms of money and educating yourself on uh, what kind of professional day rates are or hourly rates or what you should expect to be getting paid because it's something people don't like talking about but it's really important to know so you're not underselling yourself but also I mean know your own worth in terms of your well-being and your time it is important to, you know, say yes whenever you can and like sort of uh, seek out opportunities and, and you know, do things uh, that are maybe outside of like the job you're doing to pay for your rent, for example, or whatever. But everyone has a limit and you can't work all the time. And I think because creative industries are based on self-expression and art and people think of art as something you do for fun often people ask of you a lot more than maybe you can give or or than you'd be expected to give in like a quote-unquote professional setting um in any other industry so it's really important I think to know your worth and and have boundaries um because 
not only will that make for a better quality of life in general, but also it, it gives you, um, it demands respect, I think. Um, and that's really important to stick to your guns about, I think. I would completely second that. Um, and I would I would also add to your sense of your own worth. I think it's important also to know your own worth in terms of how other people treat you and mm -hmm. how other people speak to you. And I, I know theatre is not the only industry where sometimes there's a shouty director or a stage manager who's a bit stressed and cross or something. And actually, sometimes sometimes you have to take a note and you have to just be professional and go, oh, well, they're stressed and they've spoken to me in a slightly curt manner. That's fine. Uh, move on. But sometimes if someone's being quite rude to you or unpleasant, you just need to either step away from the situation or say, actually, I don't really like how you're speaking to me, because that does happen, sadly, in theatre. And I think sometimes people in, in places of authority can forget that the most important thing is not to create the perfect production of Macbeth. It's actually <laughs> to create a very good production of Macbeth with happy people. So, yeah, that, that would be an addition to George's piece of advice for me. But I would also say essentially to rephrase what George is saying seek out opportunities say yes whenever you can and actively contact people contact organizations find what you want to be doing and pester people in a pleasant way but do that whilst looking after yourself make sure you take time to sleep make sure you take time to see your family make sure you take time to eat broccoli and drink water <laughs> and lie on the couch for seven hours and watch ITV2 or <laughs> whatever make sure that you take take time for your well-being um because you will be a better professional and you, your work will be better and you'll be less insane if you look after yourself properly that said especially early on you have to work really hard but don't work so hard that you break yeah yeah perfect i think that's great great advice um for anybody who's listening and yeah that element of just backing yourself essentially when you need yeah. to um absolutely and, and back other people as well Absolutely, yeah. And eat lots of broccoli. It's a very good source of iron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I think that's a lovely way to to finish. And thank you both so much for your time. Um, I, I really appreciate it, and I think our listeners will as well. Um, I, I I've personally found that very very insightful and really interesting. And I think you've given us a really good exploration of the theatre sector. So yeah, thank you so much. Um, so thank you for listening to the podcast and please continue to listen to any future episodes. We've got plenty planned, a lot more to come. Um, and thank you and goodbye. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, thank you.